Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 816 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. just want to thank you guys, as always, for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. And just a completely miserable game for the New York Rangers. Once again, you can copy and paste a lot of things that I said after game four, uh, right here to game five. Although, you know, these games did unfold a little bit differently, and we're going to uh, break down everything that happened here. But, you know... I'm usually very much glass half full on this show when it comes to the New York Rangers. It's very difficult to be that way after a loss like this, a demoralizing loss like this, a loss in which the Devils uh, pretty much skated circles around you for the better part of the entire evening. Rangers had a decent first period. They were at least in the game, and they got worse and worse as this game continued. And to get this out of the way, yes, the Devils have played much better as this series has progressed, but the lack of, I mean... I stopped myself for a second there, but I think it's true. The lack of effort, the lack of heart that the Rangers are showing right now is pretty dumbfounding. You know, they come out in the first two games, skate circles around the Devils, and they've just pulled a complete no-show in each of these last two games. And if you're a Ranger fan right now and you're mad, upset, frustrated, angry, disappointed, depressed, basically anything that's the opposite of happy— then you have every right to feel that way. The Rangers star players are simply not getting the job done right now. And by the end of this game, they look completely disengaged. You know, we talk about the whole no quit in New York thing. Uh, the Rangers, there, there wasn't a lot of fight there in the third period. They put a grand total of two shots on goal in the third period, a situation in which they were trailing 3 nothing, And uh, pretty much just kind of packed it in for the night. And they just weren't going to come back. There was there was no rally to even be had. I mean, think about it. They were down 3 nothing going into the third period. So obviously it's not looking good. Never say never in the Stanley Cup playoffs. We've seen teams come back from 3 nothing and even greater deficits than that. Um, but the Rangers did not even put enough shots on goal in the third period to potentially tie or even win the game. They were down by three goals. They only put two shots on goal. Even if they both go in and the Devils score no goal in the third period, it's still literally impossible for the Rangers to win that game. They would have lost three to two. Um, but yeah, they, they weren't even going to get that close. It was just a, a miserable performance in the third period. And, you know, Gerard Glant after this game, he said that he thought the Rangers played better in this one than they did the game before. And anybody that uh, listens to this podcast on the regular, the everydayers, uh, you guys know that I've mostly been a Gerard Glant supporter. And I get what he's trying to do here. But believe me, Gallant uh, has a lot of responsibility in what's happened here. Because for one reason or another, the Rangers have just not been at the same compete level as the Devils in these last two games. They've fallen apart. They cannot produce any offense whatsoever. And again, it, it's on Gallant to push the right buttons and come up with the right strategies and get these guys ready to roll. And this has not been a team uh, that's been ready to go in these last handful of games here. We're going to talk a little bit more about Gallant uh, a little bit later in today's episode. But, you know, something that... Uh, as far as his comments after the game, because I saw him coming under fire, um, you know, for saying that he thought they played better in this game. I get why he said that. He can't be doom and gloom after every playoff loss. He can't throw his guys under the bus. They're now facing elimination. I think this probably is a good time for the coach, whether it's Gallant or any other coach that would be in this position. Uh, it's a good time to have his players backs and, and try to pull some kind of positives out of this game. There weren't many to be found, but I get why he did it. I get why he said what he did. Uh, but regardless of, you know, his motives for saying what he did after this game, uh, 
you know, his his job is going to be in jeopardy for sure if the Rangers uh, don't find a way to rally out of this deficit, and especially if they play in game six uh, the way that they have in each of these last two games here. I thought as far as things that the Rangers did better, I thought they skated a little bit better in this game. I thought that there was at least some traffic in front of Akira Schmid, not really a whole lot, but at least some uh, to the point where it, it's conceivable that you could score on a deflection or, or bury a rebound or something along those lines. Obviously, it never happened. But one area where the Rangers did not improve at all was just the fire. Where, where's the fire? Where's the energy? Where's where's the, the, the we have to make this happen kind of mentality from this team? You know, these guys are sitting on the bench. They showed, you know, one of those sweeping camera shots. Um, you know, I think it was in the second period of the Ranger bench where, you know, it starts on one side, the camera starts on one side of the bench and it goes this way and you see the look on every player's face and everybody's just kind of staring into space. Nobody's talking. Nobody seems to have any fire, any energy in their eyes. I've got more fire in my eyes right now than the Rangers did for most of this game last night, just talking about them not playing well. And look, it's easy for me to sit here. We've talked about this too. It's easy for me to sit here in the comfort of my living room, uh, on my couch, watching this game. Uh, I realize hockey is a very physically demanding sport, very mentally demanding sport, and it's not easy. And obviously the Rangers are up against a very, very good team right now. Um, but man, I mean, I, I just cannot believe that this is the way the Rangers might go out. And, uh, you know, everything is still in front of them. They still have a chance here. You know, the series is not over. As long as you're still out there skating and playing hockey, I will never admit that a series is over. I will never believe that. Um, you know, that that's just always kind of been my mentality with this kind of stuff, whether you're down 2-0 or 3-1 or 3-0. Uh, if you're still skating and you're still playing hockey, you still have a chance. But it's not going to happen without the Rangers pretty much doing a 180. And it probably won't happen without Igor Shesterkin going into God mode because what we've seen from this team in the last couple of games here um, it's very difficult to envision this offense, what we've seen in games three, four, and five, and what we're seeing from Akira Schmidt now, it's very difficult to see this team coming out and putting up like four or five goals. They're, they almost have to win game six by a final score of either one to nothing or two to one or maybe two to nothing. I, I don't know that they're going to score any more goals than that. It just doesn't seem like they're capable of doing it right now, which leads me into uh, two players that we have to single out here. I mean, I, I'm not the coach of the Rangers. And, you know, as a coach, I don't think you should ever really single out players and, and throw guys under the bus. It's, it's not the best thing to do. Um, but, hey, this is a podcast. We're all Ranger fans here. And uh, I'm going to echo what a lot of people were saying about uh, the Rangers on social media last night. Mika and Panarin. Through five games, these guys have combined for a total of zero goals and four points. This might be the worst game that Mika Zibanejad has played all season for the Rangers. Um, I, I thought the top line for the Rangers, you know, Kreider, Mika, Kane. I thought they got off to a decent start in this game. There was a play where, you know, Mika gained the zone with some burst, passed back to Lindgren. Lindgren had a good shot, just a nice glove save by Akira Schmidt there. Uh, there were a couple other chances as well. And I thought the first shift that they had in the second period was very good as well. They were kind of buzzing in the offensive zone. You actually felt like they might score. You, you felt that the equalizer might be there. And then uh, that was canceled out by Mika Zibanejad uh, taking an offensive zone penalty for goalie interference. One of two... Uh, penalties that Mika Zibanejad took in this game, and one of two penalties that were completely unnecessary to take. The other one was in the neutral zone, uh, barely in the neutral zone, too. It was almost another offensive zone penalty. Uh, Mika interfered with a player. You know, he kind of threw a pick there, and maybe he thought he could get away with it, but he didn't. It was the right call, and, um, you know, Mika ends up with two penalties in this game. Uh, you know, just by the end of this game, uh, this this top line, and, and they, they switched the lineup a little bit. They dropped Kane down. We'll talk about that a little bit later as well. Uh, but Kaka was back to playing with Mika and Kreider. But by the end of this game, man, Mika and Kreider were just drifting. No sense of purpose. They never had the puck. No energy. No fire. 
it, it is just a complete 180 from what we saw earlier in this series. And that can happen in the playoffs. You never know when these series can turn on a dime. And that's one of the things that I suppose gives me at least a little bit of hope for game six. You know, things can things can change quickly. And I don't think too many people saw the Rangers coming back from 3-1 down against the Penguins last year. Probably the same can be said when they were down 2-0 against the Canes. I think the general belief was that uh, the Rangers were cooked in both those series because, you know, of the series score, you know, 3-1 or, or 2-0, uh, whichever series you want to pick from there. And also, I mean, with the Canes, there was just a belief that the Canes were just the better team. Um, but the Rangers made it happen then. Can they make it happen now? Only time is going to tell there. But uh, it is going to take a hell of a lot more than what we've seen from this Ranger team uh, in these last couple of games here. And, you know, I mentioned Mika. We, we talked about him in the bad penalties. Panarin, another poor performance from him. Uh, one shot on goal from Artemi Panarin in this game. Felt like he never had the puck. Just a complete ghost out there. Had the terrible turnover that led to a uh, Devils goal. I mean, on that one, I know the puck was kind of bouncing on him. But, man, you're Artemi Panarin. You're, you're one of the best players in the world. Puck handling is one of your strong suits. You cannot fumble that puck and let it result in a 2-on-1 break uh, for the Devils. But I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. Uh, Panarin, minus three in this game. Just the one shot on goal. And the one shot that he had, ironically, was probably one of the few situations where he should have passed and not shot. And I, I know we've been uh, saying that Panarin has to be more decisive, shoot the puck a little bit more often. But this is one of the Rangers' best chances of the game. They were down one nothing. It was about, you know, a couple of minutes into the first period. I, I want to say maybe like six, seven, eight minutes into the first period, somewhere in that area. Uh, but a great play by Vincent Trocek along the Devils' bench. He comes up, steals the puck, gains the blue line all in one motion, passes to his left— to Artemi Panarin, and Panarin's moving toward the net. It's a three-on-one, a quickly developing three-on-one for the Rangers, and Panarin tried to shoot and score. Uh, Schmidt fought it off with his glove. Didn't catch it clean, but, you know, knocked it away with his glove. But Panarin had Tarasenko wide open on the other side of the net. Might have been able to get the puck to him for what could have been, uh, you know, a tip-in goal there. So very ironic that the one shot and goal that Artemi Panarin actually mustered up in this game he probably should have passed it. And, you know, that's that kind of just sums up the way it's gone for Panarin, and it sums up the way that it's gone for the Rangers uh, in these last couple of games here. And as for Mika and Panarin, I know I kind of singled the two of them out here. Uh, they are not alone. Nearly every single player on this Ranger team needs to do better. The top six, it was another complete no-show from these guys. And, you know... Shots on goal, for a while, it was kind of an overrated statistic, and I think people have kind of reeled it in with living and dying by shots on goal, but uh, it is still a stat worth looking at. The Devils outshot the Rangers 43-23 to in this game. Shots on goal does not always tell the complete story in this game. Oh, yeah, that told the complete story. The Devils are absolutely buzzing in the Rangers' zone. They could have won this game 7-0, 8-0, had it not been for excellent play uh, from Igor Shesterkin. But uh, we're just getting warmed up here. I got a whole lot else to talk about. We're going to talk about... Uh, some brutal starts to pretty much all three periods that the Rangers had in this game. We're going to try to find anybody other than Igor Shesterkin that played well for the Rangers in this game, or at least played decently. Uh, we'll talk about some of the line changes that the Rangers made, and we're going to talk about why the Rangers now have an Akira Schmid problem. And we're going to get to all that stuff in just a second. But first, we do have to let everybody know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by eBay Motors. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know the part will fit. Or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors, and with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. 
Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, let's keep everything rolling here. Like I said, I'm, I feel like I'm just getting warmed up, you know, talking about everything that went wrong in this game and uh, essentially just a 30-minute call out of the New York Rangers and uh, trying to discuss, you know, hey, how do you want this to be? Because the Rangers, it is going to be a long offseason uh, if they, and a tumultuous offseason at that, if they play the way they did in game six and they go out with a whimper like they have in each of these last two games here. But as far as, uh, you know, kind of refocusing here and, and trying to figure out everything that went wrong in this game, and we probably need more than 30 minutes to do that, um, but bad starts to all three periods. You know, the, the game end, the game begins, excuse me, uh, with the Devils scoring a goal 39 seconds into the game. You've lost the last two games at home. The Devils are feeling themselves. They have a lot of confidence. You've got game five in New Jersey here. You had an extra day to get ready for this. You should be ready to go, not giving up a goal uh, in the first minute of the game. you got to weather the storm or, hey, maybe even bring the storm in the first couple of minutes, get things turned around, beat the Devils in a building where you beat them twice earlier in this series. Uh, but that was obviously not what happened here. And it begins with the Rangers. You know, there, there's an offensive zone draw for the Devils, and Trocek's out there to take the faceoff. He wins the faceoff clean, but he puts it right into the pad of Igor Shosturkin. Shosturkin, you know, blocked it away, uh, but the Devils get to the rebound. Uh, the shot then goes off the stick of Adam Fox. You know, Palat took the shot. Uh, Fox got his stick on it. It kind of just fluttered into the air, went over Igor Shosturkin and into the net. So a little bit of a fluky goal there. You can't really go nuts about it. But again, you, you just got to be a little bit sharper than this, um, you know, early in the game. You cannot be giving up an early goal like this. And uh, if the Rangers played anything resembling a decent period, it was the first period. I, I thought they were better after this. And overall, you know, uh, the Devils had the better of play in the first period, but I didn't think it was by a dramatic margin. Igor Shosturkin kept them in the game with some tough saves. Um, but again, just a, just a rough start there in the first period. Second period. What, how does the second period begin? As I already mentioned when I was talking about Mika, I thought the first shift of the second period was very good for the Rangers. I, I thought they were swarming in the offensive zone, being creative, you know, a couple of good passes here and there. Um, but obviously, it didn't really lead to anything. What it led to was the Rangers, um, you know, obviously taking a penalty. You've got Mika Zibanejad. Or no, this, this is the Patrick Kane penalty. Patrick Kane trips Jack Hughes in the neutral zone for pretty much no reason, and he heads to the penalty box, and the Devils are on the power play, and the Devils scored on that power play. I, you know, I think that on the broadcast, it looked like there was one second left on the power play, and then Sam and, and Joe were saying that the score said that it was not a power play goal, and now it is a power play. I don't know. So on NHL.com right now, it is still listed as a power play goal for Eric Halla, but bottom line, it's still, you know, whether it was technically a power play goal or not, it pretty much was, because if the penalty just expired— then, you know, Kane in the penalty box, he doesn't have time to get out of the box and jump back into the play or anything like that. So for all intents and purposes, whether it's the official scoring or not, this was a power play goal for the Devils. And it happened because uh, Patrick Kane took an unnecessary, undisciplined penalty in the neutral zone. And on top of that, you know, the Rangers did a great job on this PK. They were awesome for the first minute and 46 seconds of this penalty kill. And then offensive zone draw for the Devils, 14 seconds left in the power play. They win the faceoff. They end up scoring. So both of the Devils' uh, first two goals come as the result of getting possession of the puck off of a faceoff in the Rangers' zone. Trocek technically won the faceoff on the first goal for the Devils, but obviously uh, kind of put the Rangers in a bad spot there. So all of the first two goals um, resulting or coming rather because the Devils got control of the puck off of a faceoff. So two to nothing at that point. And the third period. The third period was an abomination in general. Only the two shots on goal. 
Um, but it, it started terribly because, again, Rangers in the offensive zone, down 3 nothing at this point, and Mika Zibanejad takes a penalty for goalie interference. And I know there were some people saying, oh, well, he was pushed into the goalie. You know what? It's still a bad start to the third period. Um, it would have been nice to see them, you know, have a good shift there. Maybe you make some noise. You find a way to rally. You at least get the puck past Schmid once or twice in the third period just to instill some confidence, get yourselves feeling good heading into game six. But obviously, Rangers were not able to do that. Uh, just brutal starts to all three periods for the Rangers in this game. They got to be ready to go when the puck drops. The Devils certainly were. The Rangers were not. Um, so did anybody on the Rangers actually play well in this game? Well, obviously, Igor Shesterkin, he stops 39 of 42 shots. And we'll get to Igor uh, shortly in greater detail. You know, again, I, I thought he was very good in this game. I would say the fourth line uh, played pretty well for the Rangers. I, I thought in the first period, they were producing as many scoring chances as anybody else. Uh, there was a situation early in this game. Mott stole the puck in the offensive zone, got a shot. It was fought off by Schmid. Uh, then Mott, a little bit later, I think it was the next shift after this, beautiful backhand pass to lead Barclay Goodrow into the offensive zone on a rush. Didn't really lead to anything, but it was a nice-looking play there, and it looked like the fourth line was buzzing a little bit. A little bit later in the first period, you've got Jimmy Vesey with a drop pass for Tyler Mott. Uh, Mott puts the shot on net, but it deflects out of play. And then, of course, Barclay Goodrow uh, fighting ball you know, later in the game in the second period, Rangers were down 2 to nothing at that time, trying to give them some life, trying to give them some spark. On that shift, uh, Baladari knocked Goodrow to the ice. He knocked Jimmy Vesey to the ice. And uh, Goodrow, credit to him, uh, trying to show some fire, trying to show some fight, which is more than I can say for most players on the Rangers in this game. Uh, but he, you know, threw hands with ball. There weren't really a lot of punches landed either way. It was kind of just a big tussling match, but at least he's trying. At least he's trying to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with somebody who's bigger than him. You know, that's kind of a scary situation there. Um, but after it happened, you know, Goodrow's yelling at his bench and trying to wake everybody up. Maybe he should have thrown his helmet the way that Truba did uh, earlier this season. But, yeah, it didn't seem to work because the Rangers somehow got a power play out of all this. Uh, I want to say it was an instigating penalty on the Devils in addition to the five for fighting uh, for both Ball and uh, Goodrow. But Rangers are on the power play. Fox with a pass across the blue line to his left to Artemi Panarin. Uh, Puck definitely, you know, took a couple of bad hops. But as I talked about earlier when I was discussing Panarin, um, you know, you're the bread man. You, you got to be able to handle this. Instead, it basically bounces off of him. Two on one for the Devils. You've got Hala uh, passing across the ice to Mercer. Mercer hammers at home. Three or nothing Devils. And, uh, you know, I'm always glass half full. I always think a team can come back. This is about as hopeless of a situation as there's been all season. I just did not think the Rangers had a rally. Uh, in their bones in this one, just based on everything that I was seeing. I didn't think they were going to suddenly find some switch to flip and just go off and end up scoring four goals to win this game. Just did not feel like that was something uh, that was very likely to happen. But yeah, overall, you know, that's a long way of saying that I think the fourth line overall played pretty well. You know, I wouldn't mind seeing them start game six. You know, try, try something different. The Mika line has been starting every game and every period for the Rangers. I mean, maybe there's been one or two periods where somebody else started it. I think the kid line early in this series might have started one of the periods. But you know what? You got to try something different here. And the fourth line has been bringing it. And put them out there. Maybe they give you a spark. They'll at least give you some physicality. They'll at least go out there and fight a little bit. Set a tone right from the offensive or right from the opening faceoff uh, for the Rangers in this next game. Go ahead and put the fourth line out there. Uh, what else did we want to get to here? Oh, so a couple other players that played well. Truba, you know, I, I thought Truba was out there mixing it up a little bit. He ends up with six hits in this game, as did Braden Schneider to lead the Rangers in that department. Uh, he was getting in somebody's face at the end of the first period. Again, I, I think just trying to breathe some life into his team, get some fire instilled into his team. I don't think it really worked that well, but at least the effort was there from Truba. I thought he defended well in this game as well. Capo Caco, 
I thought he was, you know, out there battling in this game. You know, he was working really hard to maintain possession of the puck in a couple different instances. He didn't do anything otherworldly, but I mean, compared to the rest of his Ranger teammates, I mean, this this is like prime Wayne Gretzky here, what Capo Caco did. You know, he at least was out there battling. And I don't think it was a coincidence that when the Rangers changed uh, their lines later in the game, the line combinations, that Caco was the one who got the biggest promotion. He moves from the third line up to the top line with Mika and Kreider. And again, it, it didn't really do a whole lot as far as changing the lines around here. But uh, hey, you know, at least they tried something. And at least Caco, again, I, I thought he was out there at least battling and giving an honest effort. Other than that, I mean, am I missing anybody? Did anybody else play strong hockey for the Rangers? Adam Fox is a minus three. He's completely disappeared in this series. Uh, you know, Ryan Lindgren, I mean, he, he's just kind of there. You know, I, I don't think he's done anything wrong, but uh, the heart and soul of the Rangers, you just expect him to stand out a little bit more. And granted, uh, he was mixing it up. There was a scramble late in this game where the Rangers were trying to get a puck past Schmid, and uh, he was getting punched in the back of the head three times. He at least got in, uh, you know, his opponent's face there. Um, but yeah, I mean, there, there's just not much going on. Um you know, Tarasenko, if you, you can go through the whole top six, Tarasenko was a ghost in this game. I didn't think he brought anything to the table. Uh, the kid line didn't really do a whole lot either. Um, so, yeah, I, I think we've covered everybody. It's basically the fourth line, obviously Igor, I'll say Truba, and I'll say Kako, who stood out in a positive way uh, for the Rangers in this game. Uh, as far as the line changes that the Rangers made, uh, we will get to those in just a second. We're also going to talk about why the Rangers now seem to have an Akira Schmid problem, and we're going to do all that stuff in just a second. All right, so line changes. They had to try something. You know, we're in a spot now where in the last three games combined, this team has scored a grand total of two goals, and that's not going to get it done. Um, but the Rangers, obviously, they had to shuffle the deck. This kind of felt like change for the sake of change with the, these line combinations, which I'm not usually a big proponent of. I, I don't like when they just randomly change lines for seemingly no reason, but the way these games have gone, you had to try something at least a little bit different as far as the line combinations are concerned. So you got Kako moving up to the top, top line with Kreider and Mika, I think well-deserved. Uh, the second line, or what I assume is the second line, Panarin, Trocek, and Tarasenko. You know, I earlier down, down, down the stretch this season— we had a situation where we had Panera, Mika, Panera, Mika, and Tarasenko, and I thought that line combination looked really good together. I don't know if that's something they might try going into the next game. Uh, I get the feeling we're probably going to see the same line combinations at the start of Game Six that we start the saw at the end of Game Five here. Um, we'll see how it shakes out, but you can't go with the same line combinations that you've used to start all of these last three games. You just cannot do that. You have to try something at least a little bit different. And of course, that meant that the third line was Lafreniere, Hedl, and Kane. So Kane drops out of the top six. And um, I mean, I would say deservedly so at this point, you know, so so really, I mean, I guess the only real change is that Kako and Kane were flip-flopped. There, there wasn't really any other change other than that. Uh, but again, you have to try something. And uh, I, I guess that was the, the move that they went with. And uh, we'll see how it shakes out or if that's how they line up in the next game as well. Uh, I want to keep everything rolling here. Talk about a little bit about Akira Schmid and the Rangers, as I said a second ago, they now have what I'm calling an Akira Schmid problem. And the part of the reason why you have this, I mean, first of all, let's give credit to Schmid. He's played very, very well. Uh, he had stopped 49 of 51 shots coming into this game. And so doing some quick math here, which is always a little bit of a risky proposition on this show, I believe he's now stopped, what is it, like 74 out of 76 shots, something along those lines. He stopped all 23 shots that he faced in this game last night. Bottom line, he's been awesome uh, for the Devils. He, he's really he's really stepped up, stepped into a difficult situation, and has obviously handled it very, very well. But the Rangers bear some responsibility here because this was Akira Schmidt's best game. And it's not just because he got the shutout. It's because he made a lot of uh, really nice saves, uh, really difficult saves, 
uh, throughout this game, certainly early in this game, and uh, you know just didn't allow the Rangers to get a puck by him. But part of this problem is that the Rangers allowed a 22-year-old goalie, somebody with limited NHL experience, somebody who had never even seen action in a Stanley Cup playoff game, they allowed him to settle in and get comfortable in games three and four. The Rangers did not do enough to put traffic in front of him. They didn't do enough to screen him. They didn't do enough to get some second-chance opportunities, whether that's cleaning up a puck in the crease whether that's actually getting to a rebound and putting another shot in the net. The Rangers don't get any second-chance opportunities, and that's on them. You know, Schmidt, again, he's been very, very good, take nothing away, but in games three and four, I don't think that he had these otherworldly performances the way that certain people uh, were making them out to be. He was very good. I didn't think he made a lot of those wow saves in games three and four. He had some wow saves in game five right now, but that's just it. You kind of see the progression here. You know, Schmidt comes into games three and four, difficult situation. His team down two to nothing, plays very, very well, gets them back into the series. He has gone now from not just being the goalie that's giving the Devils a chance, as he was in games three and four, he's now one of the main reasons why the Devils have turned this series around and why they're now up three to two. And you got to believe he looked confident when he came into game three. His confidence has to be through the roof right now. And again, part of the problem here, part of the blame here goes to the Rangers for, again, allowing him to get way too comfortable in games three and four. And now he's feeling it. The Devils are feeling it. And uh, he's going to be a tough goalie to beat going forward. I think that's pretty obvious. And uh, yeah, just, just did not do enough uh, to get him off his game, to make him uncomfortable, to make like make life difficult on him. So, uh, yes, the Rangers absolutely have an Akira Schmidt problem at this point. And Igor was great in this game, Igor Shesterkin. I've been talking about him kind of on and off throughout the entire episode. He ends up stopping 39 of 42 shots. And the goals he gave up, you know, he had that fluky goal after Trocek won the faceoff right into his pads. Uh, the shot from Palat deflects off of Adam Fox's stick, goes into the air, goes into the net. Strange goal there. Uh, the next goal that he gave up was a Hala power play goal in which the Rangers left Hala all by himself in front of the Ranger net. He had a shot that was put on net. Uh, Hala deflected it, got through Igor, just barely trickled across the line there. Igor couldn't quite get his glove onto it. Um, so, yeah, that was going to be a difficult save. It was a deflection, and it was a result of the Rangers leaving the front of their net wide open. And then, of course, you've got that shorthanded goal on a two-on-one rush. The Devils executed that two-on-one rush to perfection. You can't really do it any better than that. And it happened as the result of a bad turnover by Artemi Panarin. And, you know, maybe Fox bears some responsibility there, too. Because, as I mentioned, you know, the puck was bouncing kind of crazy as it was approaching Panarin. So, I don't know if Fox maybe, you know, shanked his pass a little bit and didn't make the kind of smooth, crisp pass that we're seeing Adam Fox make. Uh, so put that one on Fox and Panarin while, while we're talking about that. Uh, but yeah, I would not put any of the three goals on Igor Shesterkin. Could he have possibly come up with one or two of them? Maybe. But Igor Shesterkin has played great in this series. And if you think Igor is the problem, which I don't think many Ranger fans do, but if you think he's the problem, you've not played very close attention to this series. Igor was part of the problem last year uh, when the Rangers fell down 3-1 to the Penguins. Uh, but this year, he's played great hockey and has gotten absolutely zero help uh, from his supposed superstar teammates that have mostly been complete no-shows uh, for, for the majority of this series. And Igor, you know, after one of his better saves, he made a ridiculous glove save on Timo Meyer when the Rangers were down 3-0. Uh, great save there. He went over to the bench and uh, was kind of yelling at them a little bit. There was a TV timeout forthcoming, so he took that opportunity to go over there and uh, say something to the bench. He wasn't really yelling, but it was kind of like, yo, let's pick it up, and uh, the Rangers never did, unfortunately. The only other thing I want to talk about here before we call it a day, we are now, as Ranger fans and, you know, the entire Ra Ranger organization, we are one loss away from uh, quite a few bad things happening, and, you know, the, I'll, I'll kind of just run through them really quick here. Uh, we are one loss away from the Patrick Kane experiment being a complete and utter failure. 
which is what it will be if the Rangers lose Game 6, if the Rangers play the way they did in Game 6 the way that they have in each of these last two games. I still think it was worth the gamble. You know, you're going into the Stanley Cup playoffs. It's a tournament with 16 teams. I think it's the most difficult tournament to win in all of professional sports on this planet. Um, so I, I think, you know, in some ways, you know, fortune favors the bold, and I understand the Rangers wanted to go all in here, and I still understand why they did what they did, bring in Patrick Kane, but you know what? He, he didn't really cut it for this team down the stretch in the regular season. There were people uh, suggesting that he was saving his energy for the playoffs. I tried to buy into that a little bit. At times, maybe I did buy into that a little bit, and we saw Showtime Patrick Kane in game two. He was phenomenal in that game, but that's it. I mean, it, he hasn't done anything in these other games. And I know a lot of people are going to hide behind the fact that he has, you know, six or seven points, whatever it is here. I think it's six points. Um, but it's kind of empty calories. There's too many games. There's too many shifts where he's just a complete ghost out there. I would say Kane has probably played better than most of the Ranger forwards in the top six, but that's not really saying a whole lot. We have not gotten a whole lot of uh, Showtime Patrick Kane here. And if the Rangers lose this series and he moves on in free agency, then uh, Patrick Kane on the Rangers, that just becomes a footnote in hockey history. And it, it's not going to really be remembered very fondly by Ranger fans. Uh, another thing, as far as other bad things that are going to happen, what well, we're one loss away from here, uh, if the Rangers lose game six and it goes the way that these last two games have gone, uh, Panarin is going to be labeled as somebody who cannot get it done in the playoffs and somebody who's not worth his $11.6 million cap hit. And that might sound harsh, but that's the reality of the situation right now. Again, if you're a Ranger fan and you're mad and upset and that there's certain players that are driving you crazy right now and you're upset with guys like Mika and Panarin, uh, I totally get it because if the Rangers lose this series in six games, uh, this performance is going to stick to a lot of players on this team. It's going to stick to the coaching staff and it's going to stick to guys like Mika Zibanejad and Chris Kreider. I, I know Kreider was lighting it up the first couple of games, but he's done very little recently and it's certainly going to stick to our Temi Panarin, who again has not had a point uh, since the first period of game one and just looks completely lost out there. So he, he will be labeled as somebody who's uh, not, not going to get it done uh, when the lights are at their brightest. And, and that's just the reality of the situation. <clears throat> I think also uh, Gerard Gallant's job is going to be in jeopardy if the Rangers lose game six. And I can't argue with it based on what we've seen here. Because if you go up 2 nothing and you're in complete control of the series and you just have a complete meltdown and lose four straight games... I mean, yeah, that the, some questions are going to arise as it pertains to the job security of the head coach. Um, you know, another bad thing that would happen here, this would be the second straight playoff series that the Rangers have lost after getting up two games to none. Try to figure this out. The Rangers fall down 3-1 to one to the Penguins. They come back and win that series. They fall behind 2-0 to the Canes. They come back and win that series. They go up 2-0 on the Lightning. They lose that series. They go up 2-0 on the Devils, and they might lose this series. And it's not written yet. The story has not been completed yet. I'm not going to give up yet. I mean, the Rangers, they've been at their best at times when, you know, their backs are against the wall. Uh, but be that as it may, you know, they're, they're in jeopardy of, of potentially losing another series in which they led two to nothing. And also uh, another thing, as far as bad things are going to happen, it's going to be in both a literal and figurative sense, a much longer offseason than we planned for. Uh, obviously, the Rangers, if they lose another game here, they'll be going out in the first round instead of the third round. So it's a literal longer offseason. But figuratively, yeah, I think heads are going to roll and some changes are going to be made um, if the Rangers go out the way that um, you know they, they've been looking like they're going to go out here um, these last couple of games. Uh, again, I'm not throwing in the towel yet. The good news is that uh, the Rangers last season in the playoffs— they were at their absolute best when they had their backs against the wall. They were 5-0 and when facing elimination in the first two rounds combined. Can they pull another rabbit out of the hat here? It's possible. They got to win game six first, and that's the bottom line. They're at home in Madison Square Garden. That's another thing, too. Like, if they lose game six, 
they not only would have lost four straight games, three of those games are at home. And we could debate how big or how small home ice advantage is in the playoffs. It doesn't seem to be playing that big of a role in this series. The home team's only won one game. Um, but that's going to be ugly, too, going 0-3 in Madison Square Garden. And the Rangers have to start fast in this next game. If they get off to a rough start in Game 6, they're going to be hearing it from the crowd because this is going to be a restless crowd. They need something to feel good about, uh, the, the fans, that is. They need something to to get themselves into the game, to, to bring the energy, bring the noise. If the Rangers give up a goal um, you know, in the first couple of minutes of that game, if they fall behind early, if they're down by multiple goals, uh, the air is going to go right out of that building. Uh, that That is for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it for today. What else can I say, man? It was another just abysmal performance by the Rangers, and um, they have to do a lot of things better. Pretty much everything we just mentioned here, they have to have a lot of players individually play a heck of a lot better and need to stop playing such disjointed hockey. I mean, just, just step it up a little bit here, get in somebody's face, bring some fire, bring some freaking energy to the rink for game six. Uh, but that will do it for today, guys. Once again, if you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. And definitely subscribe to the Locked On New York Rangers YouTube channel, Locked On New York Rangers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks again, guys. I will see you next time.